Hi guys, good to see you all. Okay, a couple for you tonight. Um, so I have a name for this one, but I get the impression specifically that there's several people that this applies to. I just got that there's a lot of women who want to have a baby right now, and they're just a few of them are having a hard time. Um, the name Jenny did come to me though specifically. So I, I just took a moment and I pictured baby showers happening all over our church community, and I just saw pink and blue balloons all over the place. So um, I'm just seeing that in my heart. I'm excited for um, the new babies to come. The next one here is someone with a broken right foot. And specifically, it's not so much the right foot, but they've been telling you they're worried about your bone density. So I just pictured the fracture like it was on a white dry erase board just being wiped away completely. And then uh, to kind of tackle off of Andrew's Wolverine thing, I just saw steel running through your bones to, to strengthen them so you don't have any bone issues. So that's it. Thanks. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so what's your, what's your uh, site again where they can find you, Ashley? Um, Either one. Yeah, on YouTube? Um, it's yeah, so if you YouTube and just search Ashley Douglas, yep. A-S-H-L-E-Y Douglas, D-O-U-G-L-A-S. So, and then AshleyDouglas.org if you want to get a hold of her. She's got, as you can see, like beautiful spiritual site and and uh, as I told Peggy, she knows what she's doing. Amen. So anyway, that's good. All right. I'm excited to share this stuff with you tonight. Um, and so uh, no slides because I just wanted to talk to you, okay, and, and share with you. And so anyway, um, if you guys have been on fellowship or last week I talked about a little bit too, is uh, uh, Rhonda Byrne's new book, The Greatest Secret and the um, Happiness is Free, Ashley and Barb, both the same day, is like, you got to read this. And so it's probably, I would say, um, the best thing I've read in two years, like literally. And I've read tons of stuff, guys. But you, you know when you come across something where it's like jolts you and you're like, this is truth. Like, this is so real. This is so pure. And so uh, we're going to talk about really just being freed up from negative feelings forever because it's really possible. And uh, you still grinding on happiness is free? So good, isn't it? Oh, gosh. So anyway... Feel free to get those, not get those, but uh, I want to talk to you about a couple things um, <clears throat> about that, because what we were talking about at Thursday Night Fellowship, too, is um, if we can really get this concept that love never fails, not sometimes fails, not um, maybe fails, or sometimes this will work, sometimes this won't work, if we really took to heart love never fails in any situation, that changes the game, really, doesn't it? Like, how would you like something that never fails? Like you can count on it 100% of the time. Like that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds like you could be persuaded of that, which is faith. So um, <clears throat> uh, I want to share a couple truths with you and then get into this because um, one of the things I see with a lot of people is um, they really get twisted around, well, what about this verse and what about that verse? And, and they, they really struggle because it seems contradictory and and, uh, but I'm going to share a couple of truths with you that are absolutes, in my opinion, that you can always hold your hat on. And so like for us, when there's certain things that don't make sense, we always just go back to these truths because the Holy Spirit will share with you the truth in, in a scripture that doesn't make sense. You guys seen that? Like, 
And then when you start reading it, how the Hebrews wrote it, you don't have to make anything up. It's the, it's the best news in the world because people are going, so you're saying the Bible's not real? I go, no, it's more real than you think. It's like perfect. It's beautiful. You don't have to change a thing in it when you start reading it, how the Hebrews actually wrote it. So we'll try to do some of that tonight. So anyway, um, wouldn't it be nice though to be completely free from fear, anxiety, depression ever, like never have it. Wouldn't that be great? And so one of the things that challenged me, if you were on Thursday night, is when I watched that Rhonda Byrne, Lewis Howe interview, and she said, uh, um, this challenged me in a really good way, because she goes, um, Lewis Howe is asking her, she goes, uh, so nothing could anger you, like you'd never feel anger? And he goes, so what if somebody came to you and said, you know, was, was totally opposing you, saying all these negative things about you, and go, you suck, and your, your books are horrible and you're fat and you're making all this stuff up about her. So anyway, um, he goes, none of that would, would ever stir anything up in you. And she goes, I can't say anything would ever never stir anything up with me, but I haven't in years and I can't imagine what it would be. And Lewis Howe was just like shocked, kind of like, what? Like, how does that work? Like, how does this actually work? And so uh, that was challenging to me because I was like, you know what? I still get angry. Anybody else still get angry? Yeah. You still tell people they're number one on the interstate, Roy? Yeah. <laughs> Just take your fish sticker off. Don't let them see that you're, right? Yeah, no, 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 yeah. So, uh, but to me, I'm like, I really want to embrace that because that's pretty cool. That's, it's really challenging in a good way. And, and these books have helped, like I can just say in two weeks, tremendously for me. You too, like reading them? Yeah. Because, uh, and Barb too, we're like, we can't get enough of this right now because it was just, it's another layer to me of truth that's like, oh, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Where it's like, everything's always been true, but it's, it, until it becomes true to you, it's, it really doesn't mean anything. And so anyway, I want to I go through a couple scriptures with you, but because here's what's really cool. Um, the real you, the real you is perfect in every way. And I'm going to give you a couple scriptures. It's always been perfect. And so um, let me go to Colossians 2.9 real quick. And these are all scriptures that you're all familiar with, but I want to share a couple things maybe if we dig into the Greek a little bit on um, how beautiful they actually are. So Colossians 2. All right. <clears throat> so it says, Colossians 2 verse 9, for in him, are you in him? Yeah, okay. So in, I always tell people, in is a preposition. And so if I said I'm in my car, you're, you're not confused of where I'm at, right? If I say I'm in my car. You're not going, I wonder if he means he's in his house. But that's what people do with scripture, right? <laughs> I wonder what he means. Like, I think he means you're in him. Like, that's what it means. Always. It's always a preposition in. Uh, even when in John where it says, King James says it like this. He says, um, God became flesh, and King James says, and dwelt among us. Well, that makes it sound separate, doesn't it? Like he's, like he's between you guys, Right? It's in. It's the same preposition. It says, God became flesh and dwelt in you. You became the tabernacle of his presence. You contain God. And so, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So, when you look at yourself in a mirror, uh, are you in him? All right. So, when you look at yourself in the mirror, I'm in you, you're in him. That's what it says, right? So, it's giving this language that there's no separation whatsoever. So, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? The fullness of God in flesh. That's what it's saying. Isn't that wild? And so I was sharing with somebody today, I said, the beautiful truths in here are so radical. Even grace guys don't dare go there. 
She's like, I don't dare go there. And I'm like, yeah, it's, that's what it says. <laughs> it's fun to go there, actually, because it's beautiful. So in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead in a body. Well, Jesus says there's only one body. Who's, it, who's the body? It's us, is what he says. We're the body, right? So anyway, now here's what's really interesting. It says, you are complete in him. You are complete in him. All right, so <clears throat> you are complete. It's really interesting because it says, uh, hold on. So yeah, let me, let me click on this word. All right. So when it says you are complete, when you dig into it in the Greek, here's what it literally says. Where, where it says, and you have been made or you are complete, it's actually the word ego, I may. You guys know what ego I may is? I am or my true existence is. It literally is I am the only name of the God of Israel, right? I'll be known as this name for generation to generation. And so it says, uh, let's, let's just read it how it, like what it means then, what's really interesting. It says, I am and my true existence. And the word complete is crammed full, leveled up, finished in every way in the anointing. So I am, my true existence, my true being is crammed up, leveled up, crammed full, finished in every way in the anointing. So when a scripture messes up with you, go back to these truths going, I don't understand all this, but he'll teach me if I need to know. Because he says, I'm going I'm to send you the Holy Spirit and he's going to teach you a couple things or how many things? Everything you're going to need to know, right? But he's trying to tell you your true existence right now, guys, is complete, crammed full of the anointing of God. Now think about, like, because we have this image of Jesus, you know, but, he's, but the scriptures are trying to say, as he is, equally so are you. You have every attribute of him. That's what it says, right? So if you, can you imagine Jesus and the, the anointing he carried, do you think everything good just followed him? That's how we should live. That's how we should, with that expectancy, is like, you know what? I am, because that's what this is saying. I am, my true existence is crammed full, overflowing, over the top, finished in every way in the anointing of God. That's pretty cool when we start getting a hold of that. So as he is, so we're like, wow, how anointed is Jesus? That's how anointed we are. Isn't that amazing? So that's, that's a one truth. So another one is Ephesians 1.3 that you guys are all familiar with, 1.3 and 4. So, All right, so Ephesians 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings, in spiritual places or in the heavenlies, in Christ. We just read, we're complete in Christ, completely anointed, fully crammed up with his anointing, right? And so he goes, every blessing you could ever desire is already in you. And you're one with it. Now, this is really interesting when we start getting to verse four. According he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He has predestined us as the adoption of children of God to himself. Okay, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of creation. So we were in him before the foundation of the creation. See, I think, we've, I, I think now that I'm really reading the Hebrews and I'm reading what it actually says, we've misinterpreted the fall, we've misinterpreted all of it. Because if you, that's what I said Thursday night ago, if we fell, but we were already in him before the foundation of all creation, where did we fall? 
in the full crammed up anointing of God. We fell nowhere, right? So how the Hebrews wrote it, it's so fascinating to me. It's like, God fell. I know that sounds weird, but he goes, God laid down his life. Unless a seed falls to the earth, like it says, we're the earth, the creation, right? The created entity. He dwells alone. But if he falls to the earth and dies, where it says he became a seed, he entered into these, this, this clothing of death is what it says. It's this garment of flesh that's going to die. Because God willingly entered into that so that we could have breath, so that we could live. And this was what the early writer said. And the whole journey, guys, is to realize that that seed of Christ that dwells in you, that died, and if a seed dies, the scripture says what? It bears much fruit, right? This is a really good thing. So he's trying to go, you were created perfect before the foundation of the world. To me, that brings me so much joy because it never made sense to me. Barbara and I would argue about this all the time. And we'd go, we didn't ask to be here. How many guys were ever asked to be born out of your mother's womb? At least I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't remember going, hey, mom, can you birth me? Right? So it was really this crazy thought to me, like how in the world would perfect love, would true love, I didn't ask to come here. But somehow if I don't make the right decision, he's going to torture me forever or create, or even have a concept that I could be tortured forever. Never made sense to me. And I think because the Western guys started to really interpret it differently than the Hebrew writers. The Hebrew writers said it was beautiful. It's like, no, you were, you were created in perfection from the start. Now the journey back is to realize that seed is in you and come back to realize your limitlessness. So another way they would say it, the Hebrew writers, they said, God willingly limited himself to this tabernacle so that you could learn you're unlimited. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Now I'm like, oh, these scriptures make a lot more sense to me. They're joyful because I always struggled again. When, when babies are born, none of us, at least I hope not, went go, oh, what a dirty, rotten sinner. Most of us were going, that baby's perfect. And it always, my heart never felt right. Even though I was told all these things, is going, how in the world do I have enough sense to go, that baby's beautiful and perfect, but somehow God sees them as the original sin and full of death and when I realized how they wrote it, no, he willingly laid down his life into us. This, this garment dipped in blood is what it all talks about. We're the flesh that he's dipped in blood. Isn't that interesting? And he entered into us. So the blood means something different too, right? The blood of Jesus speaks way better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel was somebody did something wrong and somebody's got to pay. The earth cried out for justice, right? Now, if we still read it that way, that somehow he was our substitute and God was so angry that Jesus had to shed his blood, don't we still have the blood of Abel? If somebody still had to pay, the earth is still crying out for justice, isn't it? And then we realize these scriptures are right in front of us my whole life and I'm going, why didn't I read the Hebrews 10 years ago? Why did I read all this other stuff? Because the Hebrews are going, I don't know what you guys are reading, but that's not what we wrote. We wrote it as a beautiful thing. So all... So he became a sacrifice. Now get this, guys. This is so good. Because all religion says blood must be shed in order to appease an angry God, right? And so, yes, did he become a sacrifice? Yes. But here's what it says. He entered into the blood. He entered the blood man. That's how they wrote it. He goes, you're going to find this is the craziest thing in the world. I entered into you. I entered into the garment made of blood. I don't bad blood to be shed. In fact, the life of the flesh is in the blood. I'm in you. I entered into blood is how they wrote it. Is this good stuff? And I'm like, praise God, man. All these scriptures are beautiful to me, right? 
So even the image of Jesus on the cross to me is, is so beautiful now, where it's not this uh, God had to punish him. What they, guys, you need to understand that they wrote in terms that you wouldn't misrepresent or you would understand how they wrote in allegory. So if you saw if you saw God attached to a wooden cross and you're literally nailed to the wooden sticks, right? Did you ever see anybody get off the cross? If they nail you to that thing, you're attached to it, right? So to them, the imagery was this. Now what Paul says makes total sense. He goes, I preach nothing but Christ crucified. What he's trying to say, when you see God attached to two wooden sticks, it's still, what's the spiritual implication of that, right? The spiritual implication of that is, Holy smokes, God willingly attached himself to humanity and nothing can separate you. He crucified himself to mankind and nothing will separate you, not even death. That's why Paul was so excited about it. I get excited about this stuff and going, yes, the scriptures are beautiful to me. Because people are like, so you don't believe this? I go, no, I believe way better. It's something way better. I'm not saying there wasn't a little Jesus stuck to a cross. What, did they, what was the imagery that they believed? They're like, holy smokes, God's attached to mankind and you can't separate him. Isn't that beautiful? Because the Hebrews, the cross, the left top, top was the two wooden sticks. The high priest carried the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, on two wooden sticks. They were, the Hebrews are going, you're the two wooden sticks. You get it. It's so beautiful to me. So anyway, ah, but look, this stuff excites me. So verse 4, according he has chosen in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. So Choose us, choose us, guess, guess what it actually says there. Choose I, choose I, I in him before the foundation of the world. Now, this is really interesting. Foundation um, is, the, is the Greek word kataboli. And because people are so fixated on the fall, not realizing that God willingly fell into flesh. Does that make sense? Like, he never looked at us as dirty, rotten sinner ever. He never has. And we've just, I think, misinterpreted the fall. Like, no, I, I willingly laid my life down so you can literally have life. I entered into you and, and entered into this limiting flesh so you could learn to be limitless. That was the early writers wrote. And I'm like, yes, this is the cool journey that we're on then. So anyway, it's just bad to me is that if I have to tell you, yeah, you were really bad. So somebody had to die so God could love you. As if God, perfect love, has, doesn't have enough sense to forgive. We all do right? So anyway, I just think they're way better than what we've been taught. And I'm not making this stuff up, guys. These are, these are the Hebrew writers that I've just been digging in now. I'm like, gosh, where has this stuff been? So anyway, um, katabole is the word foundation. So as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of all creation, that we, sh- for this reason, that you will be holy and without blame before him in love. And that before him just means in intimacy, face to face in love. Foundation is katabole. Kata means, kata is a prefix that means, that emphasizes what comes after it. So kata literally is down to the extreme detail, down to the very last penny, if you're doing reconciliation. Everything's exact, the exact representation. And then bole is from a cast. You guys know if you casted a mold, Right? It, it, that's what it means. A cast, a blueprint, the original design, a mold. So from the foundation, from this cast, down to the very last point, you've been molded, shaped in holiness and perfection so you could be with him in love. 
How good is that? That is so good. Where it says, he hath chosen us in him. And he casted us, he molded us down to the very last detail as holy and blameless before him in his presence in love. Come on, guys. There's nothing wrong with you. Amen? Hasn't been anything wrong with you. Doesn't that make your heart leap a little bit? It makes my heart leap. Like, really? I always thought there's something wrong with me. <laughs> I still think there's something wrong with me a lot of times. But, but it's, this is beautiful stuff to me. So when, when scriptures start to mess you up, I, I just think it's so beautiful to me that I don't, have to, I don't have to have more love than God somehow. That I have enough sense to forgive other people. Not always. I mean, that's why I've so embraced this. Because certain things still rile me, and I'm like, you know what? There's something there yet, then, that you need to get to the next level that you could even... Because I, I don't know. I, I've, I've been angry in four years. You haven't? Oh, <laughs> I was just going to say, really? It's like, wow, I'm a loser. Right? No, yeah, yeah, probably today, too. Me, too. Probably somebody got beat, and I didn't like it. So, But that's, I'm not weird like that. It's like when the Broncos used to... When I worked as an engineer, like if the Broncos lost, I could tell just walking into the office. Like everybody was sullen and angry and ticked off. So that's pretty sad if that's, that stuff bothers you. So anyway, so I am, my true existence is holy. Holy means kavot in Hebrew. Or yeah, no. What is holy? Is it kavot? No, that's glory. What's holy? I can't remember. Kadosh. Kadosh. Yeah. So... Holy is kadosh, set apart. It's mean you're special, you're set apart. You're like the most special thing in God's eyes from the foundation of the world. You were casted and molded in perfection, perfect, blameless, holy in him. Down to the very last detail. Man, you start digging into this, like that's pretty good stuff. No wonder it was such good news. So my true existence is holy, blameless, properly, unblemished, spotless. Blameless, I looked it up. Unblemished, spotless, aren't we the bride of Christ? That spotless, beautiful garment that he so adores before him in love. Everybody good? All right. So every human being, despite what they do, despite what they say, if, if there's anything going on, if, there's any, if we feel wronged or if we think they're evil or doing something wrong, it really challenges us to look at them and go, you know what, before the foundation of the world, in God's eyes, they're holy, blameless, spotless bride, perfect in every way. Now that's challenging, isn't it? Like Thursday night, I was sharing, uh, if you read Perfect Love Casts Out Fear in 1 John, and it says, uh, and then it goes on and, and it says, you know, because if you still have fear, if you feel, still fear God, you're not complete in him is what it says. You still have a wrong God. It said because fear has the idea of torment, like something bad could happen to you. And then it goes on and it says, you cannot love God and not love your neighbor because you're then a liar. He says, how can you love your neighbor or how can you love God who you haven't seen and say you, love your neighbor, you don't love your neighbor who you can see? Because it's an impossibility is what the scriptures are saying. So I was saying this. This is really challenging for a lot of you guys in Colorado Springs. And <laughs> this is what I was saying. So I said, if you say you love God and hate Nancy Pelosi, you're a liar. <laughs> I knew that would get some charge out of people, right? So, but it's really true, isn't it? Like, if we, if we take it as it is, I'm going, then you're a liar. Uh-oh. That's why this stuff is so challenging to me. I'm, I'm being real with you guys, right? Like, yeah, gosh, you know what? 
the only thing that's ever going to change anything is to see them as myself, because that's what it says. Like, you know, that's you. That's a reflection of you. That if there's something going on where you don't like this situation, there's, it's really a reflection of there's something already there that you don't like about yourself. Isn't that interesting? Woo. Woo. Uh-oh. So that's all I want to say. All right, so this is how you were created. Holy, blameless, perfect in every way, down to the very last detail in his presence. That's how you started. Amen? So let's look at love, and then we'll get into what it, you know, how to really just get rid of all this fear, because these are truths I think you have to get, if, otherwise you're going to not get there. So the famous love chapter is what in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13, right? <clears throat> all right. Is God love? Says he is. Um, all right, so this uses charity, but it's, it's agape, it's love. If you want to, this, this, this verse or this uh, translation uses charity, but it's, I'll just say love, okay? Love endures how many things? All things. Now, this is really hard for us to get. Cover, if you go look up endure, it's like cover over, um, guards against, is patient in everything. So the most, I want your brain to stretch a little bit because take the most evil or gross thing that humanity could do and what God's saying is, I endure that with you. I, I cover all of that. Isn't that interesting? We don't. We should, right? So he says, love endures all things. It's kind it, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It doesn't behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears, literally if you, like if you go dig into it, it says, it bears all. It believes everyone. It hopes all. In hope in, in scripture is the confident expectation of good. So all God sees in the most evil thing that we would see, what does he see? Confident expectation good in that. The most evil thing, he goes, I bear that. And I have confident expectation that there, there's going to be good in this. You just get where I'm going here? So he believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And he just tells us it bears all things, and it's really panta, it's pas, it's, the, it's Paul's all, as I call it. He bears all, everything, every situation doesn't alarm him. He's not offended. Does God eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Not very often, right? So what does that mean? We eat from it really well. We really do. We like to judge things, don't we? So let's think again. Think like, and this is why I'm really challenging you, because these books really started to challenge me. And I've lived this. When I read it, I think that's why I was so impacted. Like, man, I've lived this. So I shared a little bit. I don't want to get too much into it because I don't really want to talk about me. But why I'm so passionate about this, why I know it's true is because I lived it. So just briefly, my situation, um, my family was a little rough, you know. And so there was a lot of physical abuse. Um, uh, Mental abuse, verbal abuse. Um, You know, my sisters had some sexual abuse. I didn't, uh, at least like that. I, I don't remember it all. And so, but here's, what's really interesting. 
I loved my mom and dad because they were my mom and dad. And I had no concept of whether that was good or bad. And I thrived in it all because I wasn't judging this as good or bad, honestly. And it sounds weird if you've never gone through it. And as we were talking about this Thursday night, I got a ton of emails from, from people who were going, man, I was sexually abused. I was all this abused. What you're saying is exactly right. As soon as we stopped judging whether that was good or bad to us, we healed. And I go, I didn't even know it was supposed to be bad until I went to my Christian friend's parents. They're going, how do you put up with all that, with your dad and all this stuff? And honestly, I had no, there was no judgment on it, which God doesn't say this is good or bad. He endures everything. And I'm thankful because then I found out later, my sister Denise was telling me one time um, that social services were going to take all the kids away. I had no idea of this. And when I heard about it later, I was like, I'm so thankful they didn't because it molded me and formed me in how I am today. Like, I didn't judge it. Um, I didn't go, this is good or bad. If, if they would have come and said, we got to protect you and take you away from here, I would have been really upset. It would have been the worst thing for me. I would have hated it. Because now it would have been weird. Now there's a judgment to it. But to me, I like, I didn't know. I just thought this was what it is. Yeah, God, that kind of hurt. <laughs> Stuff would happen. And I'm like, yeah, that hurt. You know, like you're a little kid. And, but honestly, when you don't judge it, when you go, I'm going to choose to just see love in this whole situation, which somehow I did. Nobody taught me this stuff. It's because I hadn't been taught anything other yet, to be honest with you, that I thrived in it. I was just, I was telling Martin this is what's really been fascinating to me is I've, I've studied a lot and listened to a lot of the Holocaust victims, like the, the, the ones who actually survived the camps. And the ones that did, they said, you know what? Yeah, it was unpleasant, but we never chose to be a victim through the whole thing. We didn't judge the Germans. We didn't do anything. We just, they were like, nobody could take away our joy. Now, what's really fascinating, because then I would see the second generation, I would see the kids of the Holocaust victims that survived, and they were totally angry. Because they were actually judging them, going, this shouldn't be. Like, the ones who went through it have no animosity. They were like, you know what? We, we, we endured all things. It was, it was, nobody could take away our joy, and we actually loved through the whole thing, which is why they lived. Isn't that fascinating? And then the second generation has been taught, put a judgment on that. I know this is challenging stuff, but I'm, I've lived this. And so all the people that reached out to me, thank you, because I get it. So I'm trying to challenge some of you guys, too. It's like, what if we just saw where there's imperfection, where we want to judge, where we want to judge something good or bad, right? What if we choose to see perfection where there's imperfection? Like, I know the true identity of this person who's committing this atrocity. I get it. I, it's like... We don't like to see it, but I want us to get to a place where we know the right thing to do is not judge and do the most powerful thing in the world and go, I'm going to see the perpetrator and the victim completely loved because love will never fail. I'm going to see them as molded, fashioned, overflowing with the anointing of God. And Barbara was just sharing this back there. She goes, I realized that if I judged the situation and tried to fix it and come against it, I was actually adding more energy to it, causing the problem to enlarge. Versus loving it, going, I love them, I love this person, and I'm just going to see the very best because obviously they're doing these things because they don't know how, hard, how much they're loved. There's no way, there's no way. You know, when it says love suffereth violence, why does it suffereth violence? He enters into us and endures what we do, right? That's the violence he suffereth. He goes, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with you. I'm, I'm going through this and I'm not judging you through any of it. In fact, you're going to realize you can choose to step out of this and love at any time because I really believe this, is if we truly loved, 
That's the only thing that solves it. Because quantum is really fascinating to me. Quantum it's, goes, once we pay attention to something, it comes into physical form. When we take attention off it, it completely dissolves into nothing. Potential, right? So if we're coming against something, are we not judging it? So if we're viewing this as really evil or we're viewing it as really good, what are we doing? We're adding to it, right? Some of the good stuff is good, right? We, like, we enjoy it. Good stuff is easy. Love, because uh, it feels good. Love, um, joy, wholeness, abundance, freedom, limitlessness. That stuff's our true nature. Why, it's, why is it not, it's not hard for us? Because we were molded in that. That's who we are. Now, when we choose to judge versus just love in every situation, it really, it really starts to unsettle us. And usually what it does, guys, it starts to affect our health. And that's what I watched with the Holocaust. In fact, we're real close to one family that uh, the second the kids are totally angry about it and it's affecting their health. Where the, the, the parents who actually went through it, they're going, we're fine. We're, we weren't victims. Holy smokes, right? Gosh, we've created a, a, a culture of victimhood, haven't we? Like stuff we're worried about now. I'm going, really? These guys didn't, victimize themselves going through that. That proves to me love never fails. That's the most glaring example to me, and I've watched it firsthand. Isn't that interesting? So anyway, love keeps no record of wrong. It endures all things, and it doesn't judge. We see that in Romans 8, right, where, where Paul in Romans 7 is going, you know what? Gosh, I do the things I don't want to do, the things I do want to do, I don't do. Anybody ever been there? Like, why do I keep doing this? <laughs> right? Like, to me, I'm like, why do I keep rooting for the dolphins? This is hell. <laughs> I should change. Like, why do I keep doing this? Right? Actually, well, huh? Yeah, no, some of you. I just like, I, I just give up sometimes. I'm joking, but um, it is true, actually. Like, guys, at least try. At least, at least fake it. Act like you're trying so I can kind of like, like you. So anyway, if love truly never fails, that's a different deal. So I know no matter repulsive, how gross, however, if we can just go, you know what? I'm going to see perfection in them. I'm going to see them as molded, fashioned in Christ where I, because I know that's their true nature. What they're expressing right now is some wrong belief about themselves or God. And it's just coming out. And that happens to all of us. So this is why it's been really challenging to me. And I, I think in a good way. So anyway, um, is this making sense to you? Is that challenging to you? challenging to me when I think about it. It was like, but I think there's such a love, there's such a deep love that you don't even judge any of that. So I was telling Jeff Forrest, I said, what, what I think what he's really trying to say is you get to a point where we see things happen, where we have compassion for the people, but we're not judging the person or the thing bad and trying to fix it in our own ways. We're trying to just go, you know what? I'm going to choose to see them perfect. I'm going to choose to love that situation, love the people, love exactly what's going on, and really know that there's a love that's so intense, that's so on fire, that's so passionate, that burns up all the haywood and the stubble, all the humanness. And we see them as Christ, no longer as flesh. Isn't that what the Bible is really trying to teach us, I think? That's that pure of love. And so anyway, all right, so let's talk about this getting rid of... Um, because our true state, our true state is Christ, crammed up full as the anointed one. So if you are Christ, if you're the anointed one, is abundance easy for you? Yeah, it's easy for you. Is health easier for you? 
It's your naturalness, right? That's how, how we're born. Um, is joy easy for you? Yeah, you just are, right? That's who you are. So once we get rid of all the, the, the noise, all the fear, the anxiety, the, the, uh, the anger, the judgment, right? Oh, I didn't finish. Like Paul's going, hey, the things I don't do, things I do, things I do want to do, I don't do. I'm a wretched guy. Romans 8.1. There's no critiquing. There's no judgment in Christ, in the anointing. I don't judge you good or bad, Paul. And that's actually what frees you. See, we want to judge desperately, don't we? We want to. And I'm realizing that is not what we can, that's not what we do. Like, I still do it, which is why probably I get angry. And Rhonda Burns going, because when Rhonda, they're going, so if they told you all this stuff that you totally disagreed with, and they're saying you're wrong and all this stuff, and her answer was, I would just say, you're probably right. (laughs) Going, what? (laughs) No, no, can't you see they're wrong, right? And so, uh, like, no. And she goes, because I know that's just their ego. I know that's the wrong belief system they've picked up. Their true nature is founded and perfected as one with me. So I just realized it's something going on. They've had a bad day, whatever, and just agree with them. And it dissolves the situation. Isn't that fascinating? So anyway, but here's, what, here's the whole premise of these books, what Ashley and Barb were sharing with me, is, is you truly can let go of fear, anger, anxiety, depression, never have to deal with it again. And once all that's gone, guess what just bubbles up effortlessly? Your true nature which is abundant, which is limitlessness, which is you don't have to work at it. It just comes because that's who you always are. Isn't that fascinating? So let me just, uh, let me read this to you a little bit because it'll sound counterintuitive, but you know, there's a, uh, when, when I was reading this again, I was like, oh, this is, this is Jesus's sermon on the Mount where he says, you've heard it said an eye for an eye, but I say, resist not evil. There's no resistance. You allow it to be and don't judge it. Now, doesn't that sound counterintuitive? Is that, your, is that in your book or is that just in mine? <laughs> Isn't that challenging? And then it goes on and says, and if they steal your coat, give them everything else too. Wait, what? Right? Don't we want to feel wronged and a victim all the time? Don't we? It's so crazy, right? So anyway, do you think Jesus means it on the Sermon on the Mount where he says, resist not evil? Or do you think he's just playing around? He's like Psy. What was that? What was that thing with the Duck Dynasty? He made me laugh so hard half the time because he would speed through all of the um, stop signs. It just cruised through him on these country roads, you know, and, and it'd go over the speed limit. And then the the niece or the nephew, I forget what it was, she's like, Uncle Psy, the, the thing says fifty five degrees. He goes, that's just a suggestion. <laughs> that makes me laugh so hard. So that's how I feel about most of them. Well, that's just a suggestion, right? We, we kind of ignored that little thing there. So anyway, I don't think it's suggestion. I think he actually means it. Where he's going, pure love resists not evil, meaning it's, there's no resistance to it. I don't judge it because if you see that situation in perfect love and you know that your, your, your true nature is limitless, abundance flows to you naturally, joy flows to you naturally, health flows to you naturally, once we get rid of all this junk, that wrong beliefs we've carried out, it's effortless of your health. It's effortless in your abundance. It's effortless in all of these things. Joy is effortless. It's fascinating, isn't it? So let's talk about this because I think this is exactly what she means by resist not evil. All right. So let me, let me just get to this point here real quick. So I would encourage every one of you either get an audio book or a book. And if, if you do nothing else, read chapter seven and eight. Because this is the one Ashley and Barb like, you got to read chapter seven and eight. First part was a little slow for me. 
Yeah, kind of like, yeah, okay. Seven and eight rocked me in a, in a really great way where I knew like, I've lived this. This is true. So happiness is your natural state. And I just wrote some notes in here. The kingdom of God has nothing to do with outside. The kingdom of God is righteousness, shalom, or irene in Greek, and joy in the spirit. The kingdom of God, your natural state is righteousness, which equal weight with God. There's nothing wrong with you. No blame. You're down. You were, you were down. You're katabolade, fashioned in form to the exact detail in holy and perfection. Nothing wrong with you. That should free most people up right there. You mean there's nothing, been nothing wrong with you? Yeah, he doesn't keep any track. You were formed as perfection in him, and that's your true nature. So righteousness, peace. Peace is shalom in, in Hebrew or irene in Greek, and it means everything. It's like everything's okay. You see the world as okay. I see the whole world in peace and, and in joy, and everything's in order. I don't see it any other way. And joy. That's your natural state. So if you're not feeling happy right now, you have something negative going on that's stopping us from the happiness that's your natural state coming out of you. You guys with me so far? Because if there's no resistance, if there's nothing stopping it, then it just naturally bubbles out, right? Our true nature. So when you're free from all negative feelings, when you're free from any concept of limitation, When you're free, you finally live your life in your natural state, which is sheer joy and happiness. Wouldn't that be a great thing to live in, sheer joy and happiness? Amen? So, a more spectacular than anything you've lived up until now. It says, here's what you do. When you get a negative feeling, when you you have a, a feeling of anxiety, when you have some depression, when you have something bubble up, is you resist not evil. This is really fascinating to me. You don't resist it. You just allow it to be in love. And I've been doing this for two weeks, and I'm telling you it works. So you do it as like barbecue, and like, gosh, this stuff works. It's beautiful. Because once all the stuff's out, now it's much easier to think on these things, things that are love, that are joyful, peace, etc. But some of you guys got this loop going on. You're like, I'm trying to see myself in, as the person I want to be, as if I already have what I desire, but I just can't help myself. Ah, there's no judgment in Christ. Stop critiquing it. Does that make sense? So, Listen to this again. Whatever you resist persists, said psychiatrist Carl Jung. Which is why I think Jesus says, don't resist it. Don't judge it. Don't say this is good or bad. Just allow it. Just be aware of the negative feeling without resisting it. Judging it in any way, just recognize it's a feeling. Something going on in you, that a wrong belief system that you probably had for a long time. Stop resisting it and allow it to be there present without trying to change it. Just be aware of the feeling. Just go, yeah, okay. I I feel that I'm anxious right now to give you an example. Relax. Don't tense up against it. That's resisting it. Ironically, you let the feeling you don't want go. You release it by relaxing and allowing it to be there. Not trying to change it. Not trying to get rid of it. Not wanting to make it different in any way. Let the feeling just be there. It allows the energy to be released. All the pent-up stuff in you. It's the very opposite of what we've always done, which explains why so many suppressed negative emotions. And I just wrote, gosh, this is exactly what the, Dr. Braden does or at the, the Medalist Hospital in China. He goes, they don't judge that medical condition of anybody, good or bad. They go, this is just present. This is, we're not going to put a label on this that this is good or bad or this cancer must go or this diabetes must go or anything like that. They go, they simply choose to see another reality as if it's already done. 
There's no judgment in it. Like this is good or bad. Because if they just see love and see perfection where it's going to be, that's our natural state. So it doesn't take any effort to get there. You're already there. It's just releasing all this other stuff. So what, what this will, I think, help a lot of you guys to do is release that stuff. So when we talk about, you know what? Just change what you're focused on. Feel the joy as if it's already done. It just makes it much, much, much easier because you're not fighting against all the resistance, all the negative within you. So resistance is quite insidious. It's one of the main things that stop us from having, doing, and being what we naturally are. Does that make sense? So when we're trying to come against something, we actually add energy to it and we never release it out of ourselves. So anyway, just a couple more things that I want to share. So the practices I'm going to share with you <clears throat> will permanently release negative feelings. Wouldn't that be a good feeling? Permanent release all negative. Wouldn't that be great? <clears throat> It'll permanently release all suppressed negative feelings that have accrued through your whole life. And when they're gone, you won't be affected by negative feelings anymore the way you once were. Your health will skyrocket. That'd be good, wouldn't it? <clears throat> your finances, your relationships, your entire life. Even better, once the negative feelings are all gone, you'll be standing unimpeded in the joy, happiness of infinite awareness. Whatever you desire will appear in your life effortlessly because that's natural who you are. You're crammed up full, smashed to the hilt in anointing. <laughs> You're one with him. Now he, so it says, when we allow a negative feeling to be present, welcoming it without trying to get rid of it, it, feel, it feels overwhelming for a couple seconds, then it completely disappears. I'm telling you that it works. So, so she talks like this, so we'll finish this up. Every negative emotion appears as, as an opportunity to permanently free yourself from that negative emotion for the rest of your life. So we don't resist it. We go, you know what, I'm going to choose to see this situation or this person not going to judge it. Just see them perfect. See them loved because that's who they truly are. We don't judge after the flesh anymore. We judge in Christ is what it says, right? And that means I see that person fully anointed, loved, crammed full, exactly how I am and exactly how Christ is. Now, really, you got to take these, gar these, these eyes off. Understand that the bad feelings you feel around you that are sub... that that the subject is causing you harm and not helping what you care about. Welcome the sensation and the feeling. Welcome the disapproval. Welcome the feelings of unfairness, of injustice. If you welcome it and just allow it to be there, it will completely dissolve. Resistance to a subject energizes it, adding a lot of energy and power and makes it bigger. So when you release the negative feelings, you're releasing all the energy you focused on. You're disempowering the circumstances around this subject. Without the negative emotion, your love, your compassion will naturalize arise in place of the negative emotions and has atomic power that makes all the difference in the world. Now, somebody had asked me this. They said, because we shared this a little bit Thursday night. So when you see something atrocious, you're just not going to do anything? That was their answer. Like, no, 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 you're missing what we're saying. You're doing the only thing that works. Does that make sense to you guys? Love never fails. Everything else I've tried have failed before. How about you? You ever tried anything that failed? <laughs> I have. No, that didn't work. Right? We say stuff like, back to the drawing board. <laughs> well, that didn't work. My kids are really good at that. Well, that wasn't good. <laughs> Usually it has something to do with Barb and I. That wasn't good. <laughs> They're very perceptive. I don't know if you know that. They notice everything, right? They notice if we're like a tick off. They're like, they know mom and dad are off, right? Like something, that, that's not good. Or don't go in there. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know this never happens in your house, but it does every now and then in ours. So, uh, but it's fun to me. It's joyful to me now. It really is. I go, yeah, you saw that, huh? And they're like, no, we could feel it. That's usually what they say, like we could feel it. So guess what? We can feel it too. And we, we, when we get to a place where we go, you know what? I'm going to consciously choose love in this situation. I'm going to see them as perfect, as whole. It's not that I'm not doing anything. I see them in Christ. And that will never fail. I just think we don't, we don't really believe that love will never fail in any circumstance or situation or any of your negative emotions. But when we really get it. So how does she do it? She does, she does this. And you can practice this. So we'll, we'll cut this off here now. Um, but she talks about just welcoming it versus resisting it. So she, she, uh, she learned this from Lester Levinson's book, um, Happiness is Free. And so, because he was diagnosed with, with all, every, every known malady to mankind, it seemed like when you read it. It's like coronary heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, uh, gall, every, like everything was wrong with him. And so the doctors were like, there's nothing we can do. You got three, three, get your stuff in order. You got three months to live. And he goes, well, you know what? I'm going to figure out life then. I know I'm going to figure out life. And he just started doing these things. And when he really realized where he goes, wait a minute, if I just stopped pushing against that negative feeling, that anxiety, and just allowed it to be present, it almost immediately dissolved. And then he would do the next thing. And then he would do the next thing. And he goes, then I started to imagine the most crazy things. He goes, I felt the joy, this limitless love, this overflowing love I've never felt in my life. And he said, I would go further. I would try to think of one of the most atrocious things in humanity that I could think of and just love it. Go, I love this situation. I see it completely whole, nothing out of order in God's eyes and everything's perfect. And he would literally just focus on loving that person, that situation, that event. And he goes, within three months, everything was cured and he never had an issue until he died. That's pretty good, isn't it? So she talks about welcoming it. Now, like Lester Levinson talked about like this is, is um, if you think it's too corny, you don't have to do it. But like what Rhonda Byrne was saying, she goes, if I felt anxiety bubble up, I'd go anxiety. She would literally do her arms as like she was welcoming a, a great friend into her home, just going, you're welcome here. And I love you here. There's nothing wrong with me. My true nature is perfect love. And just be there and allow it to diffuse itself. Allow it to be angry. Allow it to be anxious. Allow it to be uh, depressed for a little while. And she goes, if I just didn't pay that much attention to it, but I, I realized it was there. It literally went away. And with it, took all of the junk and all of the wrong belief systems, thousands and thousands of beliefs that have been manifested and manifested over the years and just boiled up tight like a string would go away. And she goes, the next day it came back, I would do it again. It's like within three days, all of it was gone. By doing love. Stop resisting it and loving it. Now, what she says because once you do that, then it's pretty easy to be your natural self because your natural self is abundant. It's limitlessness. It's, it's wholeness. It's, everything's easy because that's who you are. That's the spirit bubbling out of you. Crammed up, full, nothing left but the anointing of God. Does that help you guys? So she says a couple things in here which I think are awesome. Um, <clears throat> she says, uh, when you give your attention to a problem, we energize it and it gets bigger. When we shift our attention away from the problem, this is quantum, the problem literally disappears and all the energy has been removed from it. Once that's done, there's nothing to limit you. Once you have taken your attention off any problem, then you can use your mind to create anything you want. Simply by seeing something in your mind and the thoughts you want, it effortlessly comes to you. 
to the point where they share some testimonies here because I love testimonies. Don't you love testimonies of supernatural stuff? Because that's us. We all desire it because that's what we were birthed out of. To the point where she was saying when he released all negative, any anxiety, whatever, he was so in tune with the spirit that one of the examples he used was if he would order something at a restaurant and the waiter or waitress would go away and he's like, oh, you know what? I changed my mind. He goes, I wouldn't even tell them. And they would bring me my corrected order. It's cool. Pretty cool, isn't it? That's cool stuff to me. That's bad to the bone, right? We're going to get there. You know what's really interesting? We're there. That's what we have to realize. There's nothing wrong with us ever. We're there. We can operate in the fullness of God in the Spirit, in all things. So when the Holy Spirit says, I'll teach you all things and give you the awareness of all things and everything will be easy to you, it's like, oh, you know what? I can communicate spirit to spirit to that waiter and go, you know what? I changed my mind. Give me the surf and turf. He goes, it would happen all the time. They would come and bring me my right order. They would pick up what was in his heart more than what he was saying. It's cool. Anyways, does that help you guys? I just know it works and I've lived it. It's challenging, but what a great challenge that. I just believe one person, if, if a couple of us get this and stop judging situations as good or bad, and simply really just, really just see ourselves completely in love, that situation will change. I really believe that with all my heart. And I think Jesus meant what he said, resist not evil, just love. Amen? All right, Father, we love you. We praise you. Just thank you. Thank you for guiding us into all truth. It's, it's so much better than I was ever taught. And I know it's even, I know, I know we're going to look back 10 years from now and go, you thought you had something then. Holy smokes, it, there's no depth to how good this is. You guys agree with that? There's no, there's no depth to how good it can be, how great he is, how, how loving he is, that everything we could ever imagine, every blessing's already been given to us in heavenly places. So we just thank you for that. Father, just let people really take this to heart and, and just try it, that they would try to not judge a situation, a thing as good or bad, and just try love in that situation because it frees you up. And then all of our desires come to us effortlessly. That's how good it is. That's called grace. In his magnificent name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Love you guys. If you need help, come on up here.